This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results' Darren Ahern and Presidential Bank Mortgage's Terry Kernan. Hey folks, welcome back to your Frederick Real Estate Update. I'm Darren Ahern with REMAX Results, bringing you over 19 years of experience. And I have also with me the one and only from Presidential Bank Mortgage, Mr. Terry Kernan. Hey, hey. Morning, morning. How are you? Great. How are you doing? All right. Happy Super Bowl big weekend here. I, uh, as everybody knows, I decided to fly down here to Florida. So I'm sitting on the beach with white sand, emerald green water, looking out over the beautiful uh, <laughs> Bahama coast, looks like, and uh, sunny Florida. So it's gorgeous down here. And I heard there's going to be a little bit of snow heading back home. So that's why I wanted to get away, too. No more snow for a minute, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I just got back uh, Thursday, got back from the Builder Convention. I was down in Orlando. Um, so I know we're going to talk about some Builder stuff and lots today, but uh, I got some interesting things to share. Um, but, yeah, uh, I was in Florida. It was it was cold and rainy for a day and a half, but then it, it got to up to about 65 degrees. So it wasn't quite the hot and sunny Florida that I was used to. But it was great. It was yeah. All good. And I got a treat. The hydroplane races, the boat race stuff, I love. They're racing right here where I'm at, also where my brother lives, down here near Tampa. So it's going to be good today. So we're heading to that right after. So let's get right on into it. Thanks for all the listeners out there and everybody tuning on in. Um, Terry, yeah, go ahead and share what's happening in the crazy mortgage world and what you're seeing this week and all that. So uh, the biggest thing, and I feel like I'm becoming a broken record, but it is the inflation. It is the rates. The rates are being pushed up. Okay. I earlier predicted that rates would be up around 3.75 by June, that they would gradually go up. What's happened is pandemonium is kind of hitting into the the mortgage market. And when pandemonium breeds pandemonium, as I've always said, enthusiasm breeds enthusiasm, fear breeds fear. What we have going on right now, Darren, is pandemonium is breeding pandemonium in the mortgage market, and they're pushing rates up to 4% now, okay? And Uh what's happening is the inflation. And what happened this week was the Consumer Price Index, the leading indicator of inflation, came out, and basically it was much higher than expected. So the rate of inflation is 7.5% for the last year. Year over year, seven and a half percent. When do you think it was this high before? And I'm going to give you 1972, 1982, or 1992. When was the last time you think we had this amount of inflation? I think it was in 90 or 82, I think, is when we saw it um, actually take out factors, but somewhere like 1982, I believe. Yes, yeah, 100% right. So we mm-hmm. haven't had inflation like this since rates were in the 13, 14, 15, 16%, okay? So right now, if you think about it, rates right now are 4%. Is that a good rate? If you ask 8 out of 10 people that are buying a home today, they're going to say, no, that's not a good rate. And you say, well, why isn't it a good rate? Well, because they were 3% a month ago. Let's think about the last 50 years. Let's put it all into perspective. In the last 50 years, the average rate, what do you think it has been over the last 50 years? 
And I'll give you eight, three numbers. Eight. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, no, 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 go ahead. You're, I was going to say, Ron, right I think it was like 8% eight, eight or so, I think, is what the average has been across the board. Yeah. So the last 50 years, rates have been at 7.08% on average, okay? Uh, when I got into the business, the first loan I did was a refinance of 9.5%. So what's happened over the last 15 years is we've kind of gotten so used to low rates, um, it's really been the last 12 years, but we've had a couple of bumps. We've gone up over five. Are we going to do that again? I think that maybe in 2023, we're going to see 5% interest rate again. Okay, But uh -huh. if you think about it, over the last 50 years, the average rate's been 7%. So in reality, 4% is a great rate. Don't you? I, I mean, that's kind of yeah. you know, what I think is 4% is not a bad rate at all. Um so those two things, I just want to put into perspective um, when we're taking a look at rates and how rates are getting pushed up, and it's not the end of the world. But what you see is you see, you know, pandemonium setting in, people going crazy. Now, the feds have to basically do exactly what I think they're going to do, and that is they've got to bump rates a half a percent. If they, if they bump them a quarter percent, I don't think that's going to happen, and I think that they're going to bump them a half in March. I think they're going to do a quarter in April and probably a quarter in May or June, and it's going to be a full price bump by July. That's my thought um, because I think that this inflation has kind of gotten totally out of hand when you think about it. The last time the rates were where they are today was March of 2020. We all know what happened in March of 2020. So yeah. basically we've seen a full swing of the interest rates since the pandemic started so let's keep an eye on the rates let's keep an eye on what's going on but really um it's going to be uh it's going to be interesting to see how the feds handle it and i was looking at something and i read something uh interesting and i'm going to share this last thing with you is um uh it was about a guy talking to a, a guy in the mortgage business, and he wanted to get flying lessons. And he said to the instructor, he said, well, what's it like to become a pilot? And he said, well, um, basically, flying is nothing but hours and hours of sheer boredom interlaced periodically by moments of sheer terror. Be prepared <laughs> for both. Okay? And I think that that's what best describes the mortgage market. Okay, we can go for months and months and months and months without them even touching rates. But then all of a sudden this happens and everybody is, you know, uh, sheer terrors has set in when it comes to the mortgages. People are panicking. But take a step back, sink and say, geez, 4 percent, 3 percent lower than the average rate for the last 50 years. So that's kind of my take on it. Um, home prices aren't unlikely their home prices are unlikely to drop because the inventories are down even more than they were last year and we're going to talk a little bit about that so if you're worried about your your prices on your homes decreasing they're not going to do that because the demand's still there but the last thing i want to share is foreclosures um a year ago when people were doing the foreclosures and the mortgage relief and all of that 
there were no foreclosures. I predicted wrong. I predicted that foreclosures would be way up. In January was the first month that you could actually foreclose. And so foreclosures right. were up, but they were less than 50% of what the foreclosures were in January of 2020. The reason is anybody in a foreclosure situation can sell their house without turning the keys in and probably make a pretty good profit on it. So um, hmm. that's kind of what that's kind of what I'm looking at. And, uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, good stuff. The, I know buyer demand is really up. Um, a, lot of, a lot of listeners that want to know that what's happening. I think the biggest thing is do you have a lot of do you have a lot of buyers that want to lock in their interest rate right now, knowing their mortgage is going to be more expensive in a month or two? Yes, yes. And one thing I talked about last week was we were coming out with long-term locks on new construction, um, uh, which when I was at the builder show uh, meeting with builders and, and talking to them, the biggest thing that they were saying was, you know, that the borrowers are afraid that rates are going to go up too high and they're not going to be able to afford the house. And then the builder will have, uh, you know, basically an unsold unit on his hands. So what we're doing is we're doing six-month lock-ins on new construction, and that's going to make a huge difference uh, for us and for our borrowers and for the builder's customers that they can actually lock in a rate and be protected for six months. What's happened so much is that the builders are having supply issues, and those are real. I've, I've talked to and went out and met with several builders and every one of them is having supply chain issues and the thing that is real is they are um the thing that is real is is this supply chain issues are causing homes to be delayed and we're coming down to where locks are going to expire so we're having to extend locks and it's not fair to the builder and it's not fair to the buyer so so that's why we put in this 180 day lock and I think that's going to resolve a lot of fear and a lot of problems and a lot of issues. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Um, we hit another record, as you know, this uh, sent them to you. We got down to um, a little under 70 homes, active resale, which was a very short-lived thing because I knew I was able to see what was coming soon in the next three, four days, and it bumped up today to over 100, just over 100, 106 resales at the very present moment. A lot of that is uh, the trend thing is what I always tell sellers. We always want to try to put your home in the market for sale in uh, on Thursdays and Fridays. And so, therefore, you know, you've got like this weekend, I wrote two offers for buyers again this week right before I left to come down here to Florida. And uh, we're sitting in a waiting game now because we submitted them on Friday and uh, yesterday, and and, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, well, we'll look at all offers Monday night. So this is the trend that sellers are realizing what happens. And so for buyers, here's the good news. <laughs> for um, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're not seeing hardly any homes come in your search that are coming out for sale, That and they're getting discouraged, and they're, you know, flipping out on us, like, there, where's all the homes? And then on Thursday and Friday, I get lit up. I literally get you know, 10, 20 emails and calls that says, hey, there's two homes that just came on that, that this might work. Let's go. Let's go. So this is the this is the trend that, that we're really seeing as far as this heavy fluctuation of the uh, inventory. Um, new construction, 120 average days of markets, 19. So it's still hovering right there. 
and uh, and the total is 226. Coming soon, this is a big one again. I've said, man, until we get to 100-plus coming soon homes on the market, we're not going to start to see inventory go up much at all. It's not going to move. We're at 59 today, 59 coming soons, and that can be spread out over the course of 21 potential days they could be out there on the market. But the average is about 10. Most people are queued up to be live in about 10 days. Um, I don't like to do that anymore that much. I've had some sellers recently want to be like two weeks out or so, and I said, no, no, you want to be about seven days max because, um, yeah, you're just going to lose buyers quickly um, if you're any more than seven days out in a coming soon status. So uh, pending on the contracts is 714. So that's um, getting to be, uh, we were as high for a long time, over 1,100. So that has washed out of the system in the last solds. In 30 days, the lowest out of, of, uh, we've seen a long time under 300, it's at 274. So and the list of value ratios is right there at 99.9%. So that is holding steady. Um, The big thing too is appraisal issues, Terry. it's just fighting left and right. And so some of these offers, you know, that we're putting in and these bidding wars, um, the biggest thing I tell buyers is like, you know, we can go at a million dollars, but the problem is the appraisal issue. And so I don't really ever recommend going above, um, you know, where I feel based on the data and everything where we're going to have an appraisal issue because it's just too risky. It's not worth it to go. And if some other buyer has cash or they're going to go much, much higher, you know, God bless them because uh, there could be an issue. And what we're really seeing is a buyer asked me, they said, how do you really do this and predict this, Darren? Because I had two of them this week we worked on. And I said, look, I studied the data, determined, number one, what are the comparables? What's the highest sale at the time is number one, if we have an apple to apple, I call it. And then at that point, we just make any adjustments, square footage, age, things like that. And then I will typically, I will not recommend them to offer much more than ever 5% over whatever that figure is. And so, the appreciation will absorb that, in, in, uh, but the big thing is, you know, having appraisal issues. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, we are definitely seeing some appraisal issues um, where things have gotten pretty tight. So what I've been seeing is that the deals that are kind of winning are ones that are um, not always the highest contract price. Yep. So yep. I received two contracts last week, um, which is great, two on Friday. And they weren't the highest bidders. Uh, actually got three, got one over the weekend. But um, they weren't the highest bidders, but they were the best offers, okay? And what I meant by that was one of the offers was had an escalation clause for $20,000 more. But what they did was they went in at a sales price, $15,000 higher than the – they went into the sales price $15,000 higher than the list price. They had an escalation clause, clause for another 20000 But they said, we are going to um, – anything above the list price, if it doesn't appraise, we're going to cover that difference. So what the agent basically said, and they also said, we're going to give you a 60-day rent back for free. And so so what the agent that I talked to, I called the agent. I said, you know, my buyers really want this house. It's a very strong offer. And the buyers, and then the agent said, I really like the way that it was structured. It is not the highest offer, but I really like this offer. So we wound up winning it and um, in talking to the listing agent uh and talking to the selling agent, 
they basically said that the listing agent told them we could have put the escalation clause into effect. And this was very interesting, Darren, because there were higher offers, but your offer was the best offer. And and I really thought that that was interesting that they did that. You know, like most people say, well, I'm going to, you know, I can bid it up. But they basically said this was a very strong offer, but it was not the highest. Because what happens, Darren, and you're seeing it, somebody will offer this huge amount of money, and then their escalation thing is, well, I'll pay for $5,000 over the appraised value, and that's it. And that's not really that strong. Um, because if you know that the appraisal is going to come in short, it's only going to cost you five grand, and it winds up people losing on the end. So that I thought was pretty interesting. So it's not always the highest offer. It is the best offer. Yeah, one of the strategies I did this week <clears throat> with one of the offers is the buyers were able to put 10% down conventional loan, okay? Um, but they had no cash. By the time they put 10% down, by the time they paid the 4 4.5% closing costs, they uh, were exhausting all of their resources. And so what I said to them is, look, run the numbers, do a 5% down instead of 10 and um, then you've freed up the money to be able to do the underappraisal where if there's an appraisal issue, You've got that cash now to bridge that gap and, and have that stronger offer. And um, and then the implication, the question comes up, Terry, as you know, they said, well, what happens if an appraiser everything's fine? We don't have to use – we don't need the extra cash to be able to bridge that gap of an appraisal issue. Can we then at the last minute change it from five and then just say, oh, we want to put 10 percent down now because we don't need to do that strategy? How does that work in the lending world? Does that mess up the appraisal, the loan process? What happens if somebody a week, two weeks before settlement wants to put more money down? How does that work? Because I know there's a lot of listeners that don't know about this strategy and what are the implications. So you just brought up a really, really, really good point is what happens if you submit an offer with, uh, let's say you submit a letter with 10% down and you win that offer and when everything's said and done and you go through the home inspection and you realize that there's some things that need to be fixed, but you did it without a home inspection, and so you need more money, you can put less down. You can put less down. You can put more down. Here's where it becomes a problem. You go in there and you say to your realtor, I'm going to do anything I can to win this deal, so let's go in with 20% down. And you have a lender that's willing to work with you on this, which I would never do, and I don't believe in. But I see people right here where somebody goes in and they win a deal with 20% down. The lender says, oh, yeah, they're good to go. And then all of a sudden they say, oh, but we got to go FHA 3.5% down because the their credit scores took a ding. And they knew up front they were misleading up front. Okay, and I've seen well, that happen. I don't see it happen as much as it has in the past. But basically what you're saying is if somebody wants to put 10% down or 5% down or whatever, you can change up until a week before, let's say 10 days before, um, gives us enough time. It's really just changing the loan, resubmitting it to underwriting and getting it approved for either 5% down or 3% down or 10% down. So that is not a big deal to do at all. It doesn't cause a huge, huge problem. 
There you go, guys. That's awesome. All right, we got about eight or nine minutes, Terry. Let's get into building. This is the thing. Oh, man, we still have so many people wanting to buy lots and build on and everything, mostly because there's no homes for sale, and they're like, hey, then now's the time to build our dream home. We can build whatever we want, home and yards. Number one, Terry, I've always told people it costs 20 to 25% more to build your dream home on a one, two, five-acre lot, whatever it is, um, just because of how much things have cost and what's all involved. And I, I go over that right away, and I know you do too, to make sure they have the means. Uh, if we think that in these communities, these six and 700,000 homes on a quarter-acre lot that are spec homes, we call them, if that's not enough, you're going to pay 20 25% more in some cases to build really what you want. And, um, and I know you guys as lenders, you always put that 10% kind of that – fudge rule in of things that um, can come up and what it could cost because the last thing is to have somebody get in a position where they don't have enough cash or they don't have the means to be able to finish out building the home. So real quick, um, first thing as I gather on the information plan zoning, I've gone over a little bit of this, but I just want to recap for some of our newer listeners. Zoning status is everything. What is that? Planning county, you know, plan zoning. We want to know what it is. Um, the big thing we talked about last week was ag tax and how that works. That's really important to pay attention to. Um, have there ever been zoning changes, downward or upgraded? Any ordinances, covenants, and HOAs? Just because you're looking at a five-acre piece of lot, a land somewhere to build your dream house on out in the country, doesn't mean there's no covenants or anything like that. I mean, th that's the thing people don't understand. It's not just in communities where all the homes are sitting 10 and 20 feet apart from each other. So you got to know what else is attached to it because there very much could be. Um, what are previous uses? Has anything ever been there before? Um, I have a lot I'm selling right now in Middletown. A house burned down, and it's, you know, got taken away, but there was a house there. And so, therefore, previous use, what was there, um, what happened, how big is the perk test, what's the lot, you know, where was it, where was it built, where the, what rules have changed as far as anything that would deal with setback lines and, and all those things like that. And so, and topography and other things. So, there is a lot to pay attention to. Um, subdivisional rights is a big one or grandfathered in, and we call that the 25-acre rule down to the 5-acre lot rule. A lot of people, Terry, I find they'll own a piece of lot and they'll say, hey, I have one out in um, Kemar area, and they have like 10 acres, and it's about 9 or 10-acre lot. It's been in the family for whew, 50 years or more, and um, two things happened. Number one, they said, uh, Darren, this is like 9 acres. Can't we just like subdivide this down and put them in? I don't know, one, two, three-acre lots. Can we get, like, three lots out of this and sell three for, like, a million dollars? No, you can't because it doesn't apply to the new rules, and you didn't have anything grandfathered in from any subdivisional rights or lots of record, we call it. And so they were like, oh, huh. So that's a big deal. Um, plats and surveys, we want to see what's been recorded, what has not maybe been recorded and done um, because, believe it or not, there are things that get um, surveys that are not done totally correctly or recorded right or something like that or somebody else did something on the neighbor next door and never told the other neighbor when it came time to survey and are doing something with a lot changes and now it affects everything so that's another big thing people don't know about how that works uh even title search we look uh I, title companies i have to do that right away i want to make sure that there's no issues and liens and problems on it one of the uh Keymar lot that we're talking about that these guys want me to sell um, came under some historical preservation stuff. <laughs> they had no idea. They we came, came and I said, "There you go. This is why we do a lot of upfront legwork to make sure there's no problems." Another one, Terry, as you know, is environmental issues. We want to make sure on that lot there's no underground, like if it was on a farm, 
I had one one time where they broke off a whole bunch of parts of the land and come to find out there was a uh, old, you know, diesel gas, you know, storage tank underneath the ground that where there used to be an old barn that was taken down and removed. And the barn was removed, but the oil tank underneath the ground for the tractors wasn't removed. And so that is kind of rare, but we look for that stuff. We look for what could be uh, area deals like that. Flood uh, floodplain, this is a big one. FEMA flood maps, as we know, moved after Hurricane Sandy, and so therefore the 100-year floodplain maps and things like that. So what was not in a floodplain could now be. So with land, we always pay attention to um, what the, what's what's close by, if it's like you know, the Manassee River, kind of like Walkersville, Dublin Road, places like that. Lots, yeah, I mean... We want to be able to make sure that, hey, there's a river across the street. This may be in a flood zone, guys. Wetlands, we always look for that as well, what stuff is in wetland notice. And um, and then restricting conservation easements, um, conservation, what you can't build or do other things besides a, a portion of the land on. Um, restricted or unrestricted soil types, dealing with one of lots right now. It is an unrestricted soil type, which normally would be the most favorable thing to have but not when you're selling a lot in December, whenever you've got January to April 1st, where restricted soil, the only one's getting perk test done, um, whereas unrestricted soil types get put on the back burner until April and after. So that's what happened with one of our lots, whereas if it was in the summertime or we were in March or April selling the lot, it's uh, it, we don't have to worry about that restriction. Um, I talked about historic. could be Civil War. I've done stuff up in Gettysburg. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, um, one of our best friends lives right by the battlefield, and any lots and building and stuff around there, you can't even touch the ground, for goodness gracious, <laughs> from the Civil War people and um, preservation stuff. So that's a really big deal to know about where you're building. Um, Terry, we talked a little bit about civil engineering help and all that with getting out the, the cost and the development of the property. Um, and we've got some contacts for all that stuff, too. You as the lender, you've talked a little bit about 35% down payment and why. That was really important. So any of the listeners looking to buy land, you need to call Terry or go back in the last two of our programs. And we do talk about why that's really important. Um, it's, it's, you got to put a lot of money down and build in a certain time frame and use your cases. Uh, finding out in the county comprehensive plan is zoning. What else is on the way? What's going to be built around it? Um, we get that a lot. That's a big thing people pay attention to is especially when it butts up against the farmland. You know, people want to know, are we going to have 500 homes in the next few years being built you know, right next to us? Um, you know, I just did a place out on Glade Road in Walkersville, and it, it comes right up against the farm in the back, this little development, the home there and purchasing the home, not just building. They wanted to know, of course, you know, what's the chances of this farm field going to be 500 homes in the next 10 years kind of thing because that could affect our value. And so it's a good thing to pay attention to. Um, another one is utility status. Terry, one of them deal with now, it, does it have public water and sewer that it can tie into close by? I was showing a property down near Sykesville, and next door had commercial zoning, and they had all that there. And so, therefore, uh, we were able to figure out, you know, what was there accessible and how much that may po possibly be. Well, in septic stuff, we kind of went over a little bit. Um, if, does it have a well on the property already or not? And is a septic have perk approved and what kind of system has been done and uh, deemed to be the right type from the county, from Kim Dillman and all them over at the uh, health department? So also phone cable, all that natural gas. I mean, I have a whole list, guys of all the things that we pay attention to to do a checklist to make sure we don't miss one thing 
Um, and if anything's in doubt and question, we just call, you know, Department of Public Works and stuff and find out from them what's going to happen and what could potentially be brought in to where those where that building, where the house may be built. Um, well, water insulation, Terry, I'll finish up real quick. Um, Alexander Pumps, we use those guys a lot for putting in pumps and Tri-County Pumps and Geyser, Garver and them. Septic system we talked about, we got to know what size and does it have a land size to be able to do it. How many bedrooms, perk is everything. Soil conservation, sediment erosion control, and all that gets to be a lot more deeper, and that deals with the engineering stuff and stormwater management with streams, buffers, wetlands, and all that. Um, site access, a big one, Terry, most people don't pay attention to is when you're building on a lot somewhere, driveway aprons, road frontage, how much is that, how big is that, and where would that potentially be, and is that going to be a problem or not? And then is it city, county, state, who has jurisdiction to make the decision on where the driveway apron would be placed? Um, setbacks, boundaries, and the distances are different in different places that pay attention to, of course, where you're going to build a home. And then the environmental stuff with nitrates, underground tanks, soil contaminations, and things like that. Um, finding out the impact fees, Frederick County, we're over 18,000, 19,000 a year unless an existing home is built on the same footprint. And the other thing is the forest resource ordinances, we call it FRO, and uh, things like that. So where uh, we talked about ag tax, site plan work, and location surveys. And then the other big one, the last thing I'll share, is excavation. This is the one that most buyers don't think about. What kind of rocks and stuff may be underneath that property on that land where you're building, putting a house, and you may spend ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars extra to have to remove. Looking to purchase a home or refinance your existing mortgage? If so, Lawyer Signature Settlements is here to assist you with that process. Lawyer Signature Settlements is a local attorney-owned title company with over one hundred years of combined experience conveniently located in Frederick, Maryland. We are licensed to conduct closings in the states of Maryland, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and West Virginia. With two attorneys on staff here at Lawyer Signature Settlements, we ensure the most thorough review process paired with affordable rates, accommodating scheduling, and outstanding customer service. So next time you need to place your signature on closing documents, call Lawyer Signature Settlements at 301-695-1235 or visit us on the web at www.signaturesettlements.com. We hope to see you at the closing table. Hello, this is Terry Kernan with Presidential Bank Mortgage in downtown Frederick. And the best way to reach me always is on my cell phone at 301-639-9244, 301-639-9244. Or you can always email me at tkernan at presidential.com. And this is Darren Ahern from REMAX Results. You can reach me anytime, 240-344-1713. Again, it's 240-344-1713 or at DarrenAhern at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to your Frederick Real Estate Update. We will see you each and every Saturday right here on WFMD at 11 o'clock.